Blog Talk Radio. Whistleblower status and immunity. 
This will allow him to testify before Congress about CDC fraud regarding vaccine safety and to explain the thousands of documents that have been turned over to congressional representatives. And this is report votetruth.org. So no. This, this article is pretty long, but I wanted to go. You don't have to read the rest of that, but I wanted to go to. Uh, this is not the one exactly. It's this one. Okay. And uh, this article explains the immunity, whistleblower measles vaccine link up to. Right. Let's put on the, this, is the, this is the one here. Here's some audio. Here's an audio piece, folks. So let's look at the CDC to autism. Oh, my God. How do people like this live with themselves? Oh, uh, but they do. I wonder who makes the autism, the uh, measles vaccine. Oh my God! I cannot believe we did what we did. Um, but we did. It's all there. It's all there. This is a real story of a real fraud. That's the lowest point in my career that I went along with that paper. Deliberate, high-level deception of the American people with disastrous consequences for its children's health. In order to give context to the extraordinary story that you're about to hear. A little historical perspective is important. Many of you will have heard of Tuskegee. Dirt poor sharecroppers in Macon County, Alabama. Black men with syphilis. From 1932, 339 men were told by the Public Health Service, the forerunner of today's CDC, that they had bad blood. The motive of public health doctors was to study the natural history of syphilis in the black man. Natural history in this case means deliberately untreated. These men were deliberately left untreated even when something as effective as penicillin came along. Worse still, those infected were actively prevented by public health doctors from getting this life-saving drug. Men suffered and died. Women continued being infected and babies continue to be born with congenital syphilis. A shiny new CDC took over in the late 1960s, refused to stop the experiment, not until every last man had been opened up on their autopsy table. The experiment was stopped, not because the CDC realized the barbaric nature of their enterprise, but because a whistleblower by the name of Peter Buxton leaked the story to a journalist at the Washington Star. The story was published on July 25, 1972, hit the front page of the New York Times, and the experiment was stopped shortly thereafter. Congressional hearings followed. So unethical, so inhumane was this public health experiment that it led to a change in the CDC's code of medical ethics. Except it didn't. Thirty years later, the CDC was to do something arguably far worse. Over a decade ago, Dr. Scott Montgomery and I put forward a hypothesis for MMR vaccine and autism. The age that you receive the vaccine influences the risk. This makes sense. For some infections like measles, the age of infection changes the outcome. We shared this hypothesis with vaccine officials, members of the Centers for Disease Control at meetings in Washington, D.C., and Cold Spring Harbor. A group of senior vaccine safety people at the CDC studied it. It panned out. We were right, at least partly. By November the 9th, 2001, nearly 13 years ago, senior CDC scientists knew that younger age of exposure to MMR was associated with an increased risk of autism. In 2004, they published but they hid the results. That's the lowest point in my career that I went along with that paper. And uh, I went along with this. We didn't report significant findings. MMR was declared safe. The IOM has evaluated this issue um, 
back in 2004 and again most recently in 2011. Um, and, you know, their conclusion, again, was not just looking at the work that was done at CDC, but with a total body of evidence, was suggesting that um, vaccines and their components did not increase the risk for autism. What Dr. Colleen Boyle, a co-author of that blighted paper, did not tell Congress is that she and her colleagues had deliberately concealed the autism vaccine link from the Institute of Medicine and the public. Ironically, they even received an award from the Secretary of Health and Human Services for this work. So troubling was the fraud that one of the CDC researchers broke ranks. Eventually, he made contact with Dr. Brian Hooker, father of a vaccine-injured child with autism and a vaccine safety researcher. Uh, I received a phone call out of the blue. Uh, it had a 404 area code, so I knew it was from the CDC. Lo and behold, it was Bill Thompson. He had much to confess. I'm completely ashamed of what I did. I have great shame now. I was complicit, and uh, I went along with this. Dr. Thompson had appointed me his priest, and when he appointed me his priest, and we have had many, many phone exchanges. We've exchanged dozens of emails, and he has released telling information regarding fraud and malfeasance in the CDC. We didn't report significant findings. Thompson sent Hooker information that was never intended for public scrutiny. From their own data sheets dated 2001, Dr. Hooker analyzed the CDC's results and he found the same risk for autism that the CDC scientists had themselves identified. It's all there. It's all there. He confronted Thompson. He has expressed significant remorse for lying, for bearing data. I have great shame now when I meet families with kids with autism because I have been part of the problem. This week, August the 10th, 2014, Dr. Hooker published the real findings, a 340% increased risk of autism in boys receiving the MMR on time compared with those receiving it later. 13 years and tens of thousands of children later. But as I've said, Dr. Montgomery and I were only partly right. The risk of autism from early MMR vaccination was seen in black children, black boys, those boys, for some reason, are at very high risk. Consistent with the CDC's own findings, the rate of autistic regression in black children is reported to be twice that in white children. Oh, my God, I cannot believe we did what we did. Tuskegee revisited. Scientist Dr. David Lewis, an international expert in whistleblowing and the detection of scientific fraud, reviewed the original CDC documents and the paper they published in 2004. Probably this is the clearest case and the easiest case in which to answer, is it fraud or is it an accident? Is it just an artifact of the study uh, that we're dealing with here? Clearly it's fraud. He knows that he's culpable for damage. He knows that he's culpable for permanent damage of a large, significant portion of the population of the United States. The higher-ups wanted to do certain things, and I went along with it. Dr. Frank Stefano, Dr. Marshallin Jürgen Olsop, Dr. Colleen Boyle, they knew. They let it happen, and they could have stopped it. Michigan lawyer Alison Folmar, an award-winning advocate for children and parental rights, gave her reaction. Um, I feel, uh, first and foremost, as a human being, you know, uh, when you lose your faith and trust in humanity, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you repair it? I mean, I don't really know what to say, to be honest. Thompson is very regretful about his involvement. That's the lowest point in my career that I went along with that paper. I'm not going to lie. Um, I've, I basically have stopped lying. You see, vile as the crimes of Stalin... Pol Pot and Hitler were, these men were not hypocrites. 
their motives ambiguous or their rhetoric blazed with apparent caring and compassion. These men were not entrusted with the welfare of their victims. Their mottos did not include the words to save lives and protect. They were not running a mandatory program disguised as caring. How many children? How many went to the war in that decade of silence? How many presidents, Mr. Obama? That would be, you can go to Cheryl Atkinson. Yeah. I thought she was subject to this reporter. Um, I guess she was. I believe that she was a CBS reporter. Probably a former CBS reporter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and former CBS, independent and former CBS reporter, yeah. Because uh, I don't think CBS would want her talking about this. But anyway, this is vaccine impact.
and signs symptoms of pneumonia and other respiratory illness. Anything in this category that is deemed to have the potential to cause a pandemic, it states, is open game for government intervention. Specifically excluded from the provision is influenza, which often develops into pneumonia, pneumonia, but with so many muted strains of flu circulating these days, it is unclear how government officials will determine which syndromes warrant detection and which ones don't. Detention. Detention and which ones don't. Not only can people with the disease be forcibly isolated, but the CDC also has the power to quarantine anybody who may have been exposed. If you have been exposed to one of the listed communicable diseases, even if you do not show symptoms, you may be forcibly detained and quarantined. A Los Angeles woman threatened with quarantine if she doesn't get MMR vaccine. A 26-year-old woman from Los Angeles is already dealing with the ramifications of this new executive order after her youngest sister was declared to have contracted the measles during recent outbreak at Disneyland. Yelsa Tellis has not shown any signs of measles herself, according to reports, but health authorities are insisting that she be quarantined anyway. Yelsa's only way out of the mandate is to, be, is to agree to be vaccined, vaccinated with the MMR vaccine, a three-in-one combination vaccine that also treats mumps and rubella. Yesla has never gotten the MMR shot, and she's refusing to get it now. They were saying, I need to get vaccinated and I need to be quarantined. Otherwise, I'm going to jail or something, or I'm going to get a misdemeanor. Mind you, the MMR vaccine has been implicated in actually causing disease outbreaks, particularly with the mumps component of the jab. Back in February 2014, for example, a mumps outbreak occurred at Fordham University in New York, and the only students affected by it were those who had already been vaccinated for months. Vaccines are a total failure. They inhibit the formation of lifelong immunity and trigger outbreaks. What authorities routinely fail to explain to the public is that vaccines aren't always effective and sometimes can cause serious and permanent harm. Vaccines can also act as vectors in disease transmission. With vaccinated individuals shedding viruses for a period of time and putting others at risk of infection, this is the most likely cause of all disease outbreaks that are typically blamed on the unvaccinated. And yet not a peep of any of this is ever mentioned in the mainstream media. Another oft-ignored fact is that people who are exposed to, exposed to generally non-lethal conditions like measles and mumps during childhood attain lifelong immunity while vaccinated individuals don't. There are concerns that uh, was once a common non-lethal childhood disease that often offered lifetime immunity has now been traded for modern vaccine antibodies that can wear off over time. Cause the virus uh, and cause the virus to mutate, making the vaccine ineffective, explains vaccine impact about measles in particular. Uh, these facts alone reiterate that individuals have a God-given right to refuse vaccines in all instances, no matter what the government says. Your body is your body, and anyone who tries to forcibly inject you with foreign DNA, preservatives, viral waste, and other toxins is a violent aggressor and an enemy of freedom. CDC has assumed police power to enforce government mandates. It's important to remember that the private corporate beast that has assumed the title of the federal government does not have your best interests in mind. These new quarantine powers, which the CDC says it has the authority to enforce with police power, usurp the Constitution and make people slaves to the medical-industrial complex. In, that, in addition to serving as medical functions, Isolation and quarantine also are police power functions derived from the right of the state to take action affected individuals for the benefit of society, explains the CDC. Let that sink in for a moment as you consider the supposed freedoms we possess as Americans to choose um, what's best for the health of our people or our children. Isn't that amazing? It is. It's really incredible. I. It's 
It really scares you a lot. Right, next. Leave it for now. No, I can't move it, and it's, and it's interrupting everything. Well, in the meantime, right, let me. Um, okay, wait, I got it. 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 Ugh. Sorry, folks. Okay, here we go. Okay. What's happening there? Can't wait. I'm sorry. No, I just, um, I got something uh, coming in on another thing that was uh, speaking up. Yeah, it sometimes happens. Sorry, folks. In fact, you know what? I'm gonna let me go to a quick music break and uh, get out of this.
uh, pertussis and hemophilus influenza type B. In addition to these antigens, however, the vaccine contains cimarosal, the mercury-containing preservative, aluminum, and adjuvant, as well as other toxic ingredients. The child regressed into autism shortly after receiving three doses. That all that in one vaccine, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. allow that. No, but I mean, they, you know, they do The this. parents didn't know. When the parents presented their claim for compensation first to the Ministry of Health, as they were required to do so, the ministry rejected it. Therefore, the family sued the ministry in a court of general jurisdiction, an option which does not exist in the same forum in the U.S. Based on expert medical testimony, the court concluded that the child, more likely than not, suffered autism and brain damage because of the neurotoxic mercury, aluminum, and its particular susceptibility from a genetic mutation. The court also noted that Inferex hexa contained thimerosal, now banned in Italy because of its neurotoxicity, in concentrations greatly exceeding the maximum recommended levels for infants weighing only a few kilograms. Oh, boy. Presiding oh, Judge Nicola de Leo uh, considered another piece of damning evidence, a 1,271-page confidential GlaxoSmithKline report. Um, this industry is also available on the Internet. This industry document provided ample evidence of adverse effects from the vaccine, including five known cases of autism resulting from the vaccine's administration during its clinical trial. Oh, my God. God damn, this is so criminal, you know. As in, any, as in many other developed countries. Government, not industry, compensates yeah. families in the event of vaccine injury. Thus, GlaxoSmithKline's apparent lack of concern for the vaccine's adverse effects is notable and perhaps not surprising. And you know, you can't sue. Even in this country, you cannot sue the you cannot sue the vaccine makers. All right. Nope, that was just passed that was recently passed, yeah, in the court uh, in uh, uh, Congress a few, a few years ago. Yeah, actually, when they were uh, over the swine flu thing, remember? Yep. That? Yeah. Uh, as in many different developed countries. I just read. That. Oh, I'm sorry. The benefit profile of Harrisonist continues to be favorable, despite GSK's acknowledgement that the vaccine causes side effects, including anemia. There's a ton of stuff. Holy cow, look at all this. Oh, my God. There's about 12 uh, different uh, side effects, major diseases, insight. Uh, oh, my God. I forget it. I can't even read all this. The, the Milan decision is sober, informed, and well-reasoned. The Ministry of Health has stated that it has appealed the court decision, but that appeal will likely take several years in its outcome is uncertain. Two years earlier, on May 23, 2012, Judge Lucio Ardigio of an Italian court in Rimini presided over a similar judgment, finding that a different vaccine, the measles mumps rubella vaccine, yeah. had caused the child's autism. As in the Milan case, the Ministry of Health's compensation program had denied compensation to the family. Yet after a presentation of medical evidence, a court granted compensation. There, too, the Italian press covered the story. The U.S. press did not. The Italian court decisions break new ground in debate over the vaccines and autism. Both these Italian court decisions break new ground in the rolling debate, roiling debate over vaccines and autism. These courts, like all courts, are intended to function as impartial, unbiased decision makers. But you left out. In case of 15, in that particular case, a 15-month-old boy received an MMR vaccine in March 26, 2004. He then immediately developed bowel and eating problems and received an autism diagnosis with cognitive delay within a year. The court found that the boy had been damaged by irreversible complications due to vaccination. The decision flew in the face of the conventional uh, mainstream medical wisdom that an MMR autism link had been debunked. Right. Well, who's that true. actress that has come out against it so many times, and she has an autistic child? There's an American actress who has an autistic child who's come out. Yeah, it was... Um, um, the blonde. Yes. yes. Uh, and she just got married, I think. Well, she was she was dating uh, 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 
crazy guy there, Jim Carrey. Yeah. She was they broke living up. with him for a long time, and yeah. then, yeah. Uh, you know who I mean. Yeah, yeah. Jenny McCarthy. Yes, and yeah. she's al- always maintained that it was a vaccination that caused that. Caused that. Yeah. And uh, they're proving it. And, uh, you know, I don't have a kid, uh, you know, a child age, and Lila doesn't either. But, uh, but you don't have a grandson. I have a I grandson. Pray that you, you see vaccinated now? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's sick. He, he can't go to school unless you are. I think that's wrong. I think that's a, that should be illegal. So, yeah, hopefully he doesn't get it in his home. Well, you would have right away. No. Doesn't No, it doesn't come later. It happens in almost immediately. Vaccine cord, they awarded yeah. millions to the children. Yeah, that's this was what uh, was reported by uh, the Huffington Post. Here's something. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Can't always get into that. No, Huffington takes forever to get. Okay. This one here is kind of interesting because Ben, ben Carson weighs in on the vaccination debate. He's a Republican. Doesn't he want to run for president? But, but the interesting thing is he's a pediatric not neurosurgeon and likely a two, 2016 Republican presidential candidate has weighed in on the debate over mandatory vaccines in light of a new measles outbreak uh, at the parts of potential GOP opponents like Christie and Paul. Uh, although I strongly believe this is he said, Although I strongly believe in individual rights and the rights of parents to raise their children as they see fit, I also recognize that public health, public safety are extremely important in society. Uh, certain communicable diseases have been largely eradicated by immunization policies. We should not allow these diseases to return. Okay, so while Republican politicians like Christie have the quick to defend parents' right not to vaccinate their children, Dr. Carlson's place is more important than the elimination. He wants them vaccinated, so he's along. He's going along with the CDC. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a prick. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, folks, you just can't. Uh, what you, you had something to read there? Yeah. We'll go on with something. So else. talk about talking yeah. about dishonesty and agency. yeah, dishonesty with agencies and well, global climate change and all that great stuff. Global warming so dishonest it makes Enron look like a paragon of integrity. <laughs> yeah, that's. That says something. Fiddling temperature data is the biggest science scandal yeah, ever. Source, by the way, this is so. from, let's see, I can't read that. Can you see that? It's a little small. Oh, that's Breitbart. Breitbart. That's the right wing. Yeah. There. It's the right wing. It's so small I could hardly see it. Yeah. He's dead, by the way. He is? Yeah, what he happened is. to him? He got shot. Okay. He died well back. A temperature data is the biggest science scandal ever, says Christopher Brooker, not pulling his punches, and I think he's right not to do so. If, as Brooker, myself, and a few others suspect, the guardians of the world's land-based temperature records have been adjusting the raw data in order to exaggerate global warming, then this indeed a crime against the scientific method unparalleled in history. Whether you're an elderly couple in, in mid-Wales who have just had a 20% knocked off the value of your retirement cottage by the new wind farm on the hill opposite, or your tribesmen in Southeast Asian jungle whose virgin forest homes have been trashed to make way for palm oil plantations to grow eco-friendly biofuels, or you're a scientist in New Zealand who's been hounded out of your job because your research doesn't fit the global warming narrative, or you're a science teacher in Ohio who is obliged, whether you like it or not, to lecture your charges on the dreaded perils of climate change, or you're a Republican senatorial candidate who has been targeted as a denier in a green attack dog campaign financed by Tom Steyer, you're all victims of the same global scam a scam perpetrated by a tiny handful of individuals whose junk statistical manipulation of the global climate records have transformed routine weather patterns into the world's biggest 
your most influential ever science care story. Here in the letters pages of today's Carol Graph is yet another example of what I mean. It's a letter protesting against the devastation of the Scottish landscape by a bird slicing, bat chomping, echo crucifixes, and it's signed by the director of the Association for the Protection of Rural Scotland. It begins, few dispute the necessity of reducing our energy use and pursuing renewable energy alternatives to fossil fuel in order to help address climate change. They feel, for understandable reasons, that they are obliged to profess their plight with the usual obsequiousness to the great green climate change emperor. But what if that great green climate change emperor is wearing no clothes? What then? Just to recap, here is what we know about the world's land-based temperature records. The raw weather station data appears to show in many cases that the 1930s was the warmest decade in the last 100 years. Not as activists like James Hansen have insisted the period since the late 1990s. Yet this data has now been adjusted so far without any convincing explanation in order to make the 1930s look cooler than they were in recent periods warmer. The net effect of this is to make the 20th century warming look much more dramatic and extreme than it may actually have been, generating panic among the scientific establishment, which has been using this adjusted data as the basis for its narrative that we are currently experiencing a dangerous and unprecedented phenomenon, sometimes known as Global warming, a common defense used by the alarmist experts to shore up their shaky theory, is that lots of different scientific institutions have reached the same conclusion independently. But here's the rub. They're not independent. They're all in cahoots because they're all pushing the same narrative, as Booker explains, using the example of the suspicious one-way adjustments to the weather station in Paraguay. How about that? And also, it has been subsequently been shown in the Arctic. First, they were made by the U.S. government's Global Historical Climate Network. They were then amplified by the two of the main official surface records, the Goddard Institute for Space Studies and the National Climate Data Center, which used the warming trends to estimate temperatures across the vast regions of the Earth where no measurements are taken that these are the very records on which scientists and politicians rely for their beliefs in global warming. The last point is the point. It's the temperature records on which the entire edifice of the international global warming industry is based are busted flush, then we have all been victims of a scheme so vast and all-encompassing it makes Enron look like a model of modesty and integrity. It also raises the question, and I speak here, of course, metaphorically rather than literally, when are the heads going to roll? Yeah. Question, right? Well, my my concern is, is, uh, is see, now he's, that's Brett Bart, which is a right-wing conservative, mm -hmm. uh, you know, blog, but in their pro-Coke, they're pro-everything, yeah. they're pro-asswipes pro and everybody else. God, I hate this, those groups. But the problem is, is that you have the issue of chemtrails. You have the mm -hmm. issue of geoengineering oh, that they are not stuff. even talking about. You know what I mean? You know, they won't even mention that in that thing. Okay, so they say, oh, global warming, oh, this is not real. Well, well global I think warming probably isn't, but the but the geoengineering of the war, of the surface of the skies is. Okay. What they're saying, any, Leo, any the point that they the were making, the point that. that they were making yeah. is that the data has been played with and toyed with to make it that's look that true, way. That was the are, point but, that they were making. Well, that's true, but in in the same light, these people are ignoring oh, they the, are, the most ignoring. obvious of all okay. obvious things. You know what I mean? So it's like, who the hell? That you know, the article is is as phony as a as a as Brett Bart. That's the problem I got with that, because you know they're not they're not facing facts. Oh, they're just fighting the global warming. 
with global warming guys are producing the global warming. You know, why aren't they telling you that? They did. They just no, said they that. No, they did. Yeah, but, you know, they're not telling you. There the is truth. no global warming is what they're saying. They've lied. The data has all been. But there's weather manipulation. And, and they that they're not telling you but that. But that's not causing that. That's something different. Well, no, it's something different from them. It's the same thing. No, it's different from the point that they were making. They're they're make, yeah, but it's typical. They're making, the an, they're iso- making, they're making an isolated point, uh, right? That was the article. That yeah, was but, all. you know, any yo-yo can make a point. If they're not using the facts the way they really they are. They did use that, those yeah, facts. Yeah, but, you know, they're, you know they're, they're missing the facts. They're missing the reality, Lila. The reality of, you know, weather manipulation is what's causing any kind of global There is crisis. no global Yes, there is. There is global a, there change. Is change. There's climate change, not warming, and that's what they're climate saying. Climate changing. They, they, they were talking about created, that. Man-made. They were talking about about global I, warming, I just know. that one particular point. I know. Point. They're talking about global warming, but they're not even facing the what's they didn't causing mention other anything problems. Else. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's an absurd article. The point it. that I was making it's like a Republican it's like Republican arguments. They say the make point no sense. That I was making in reading that article is that there's all kinds of manipulation going on in buyer beware. Yes, there is. Right. And here Norm Chomsky says any dictator would admire the uniformity and obedience of the US media. Well, isn't that the truth? <laughs> Oh, then why is Brian Williams getting spanked? He's getting what? Spanked. Spanked? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He must have done something really bad. Yeah, it wasn't that, I'm but sure. But they didn't fire him. They just suspended no. him without pay. He's a millionaire, you know. What does he care, I'm sure? Yeah. I don't know. This thing is interesting, though. Um, a great article because if we can get to it, okay, China is poised to demand the U.S. land as payment for U.S. debt. Imagine that. Yeah. Right in the center of the country. Huh. New York. Could real estate on American soil owned by China be set up as development zones in which the communist nation could establish Chinese-owned businesses and bring in its citizens to the U.S. to work? That's part of an evolving proposal Beijing has been developing quietly since 2009 to convert more than $1 trillion of U.S. debt it owes into equity. Under the plan, China would own U.S. businesses, U.S. infrastructure, and U.S. high-value land, all with a U.S. government guarantee against loss. Yeah. Uquay, a professor of economics in the School of Public Policy and Management at Tsinghua, University in Beijing, uh, poised in 2009. Proposed in 2009, Napoleon, to guarantee foreign investments in the U.S. I'm going to beat you out on this one. (laughs) I'm going to reach faster than you do. WND has reliable information that the Bank of China, China's central bank, has continued to advance the plan to convert uh, China's holdings of U.S. debt into equity owned by China and the U.S. The Obama administration under the plan would grant a financial guarantee as an inducement for China to convert U.S. debt into Chinese direct equity investment. China would take ownership of successful U.S. corporations, potentially profitable infrastructure, projects, and high-value U.S. real estate. The plan would be designed to induce China to resume lending to the U.S. on nearly zero interest basis. However, converting Chinese debt debt to equity investments in the U.S. could easily add another $1 trillion to outstanding Obama administration guarantees issued in the current economic crisis. As of November 2012, China owned $1.17 trillion in U.S. Treasury securities, 
according to the U.S. Department of Treasury and Federal Reserve Board calculations. Concerned about the unrestrained growth in the U.S. debt under the Obama administration, China has reduced by 97% its holdings in short-term U.S. Treasury bills. China's holding of $573.7 billion in August 2008 prior to the ma massive bank bailouts and stimulus programs triggered by the collapse in the U.S. mortgage market dwindled to $5.96 billion by March 2011. Treasury bills are short-term debt that matures in one year uh, or less, sold to finance U.S. debt. According, uh, holdings of Treasury bills are included in the $1.17 of total Treasury securities owned by China as of November 2012. In addition to national debt in excess of $16 trillion, the U.S. government in uh, 2010 faced over $70 trillion in unfunded obligations including Social Security, Medicaid, scheduled to be paid to retiring baby boomers, retirees in the coming decade, and unfunded obligations showing no sign of being reduced with Congress at a deadlock over reducing federal spending. The basic idea is to turn Asian savings, China in particular, to real business interests rather than let them be used to support U.S. overconsumption. Why, quote, quote, Reflecting themes commonly suggest by Chinese government officials, while fixed income securities are vulnerable to all fall to any fall in the value of the dollar, equity claims on sound corporations and infrastructure projects are less of a uh, risk from a currency default. He concluded. So, what's going to happen to the people in that part of the country? They just well, they're going to be yeah, they're going to they just be yeah. kicked out. Yeah. You know, basically. Go back and uh, let's see where that where they own the property. Oh, wait a minute. I'm looking here. China would negotiate U.S. government to create crisis relief facility. The relief facility would be used alongside U.S. federal efforts to stabilize the banking system to invest in capital. This this is a program that they have the four points that they're making. Um, but uh, there was a there was a. Uh,
sheriff, the U.S. should take Philly's lead. Oh, I agree with this totally, totally, totally. Mm -hmm. I did share that. So uh, I really agree with him. So Chile will have a generation of well-educated uh, yeah, young yeah. People, people to take the lead. Which is debt-free also. Yeah. You know. Not like in this country. No. Everybody's going to be laden with debt, and hardly anybody will be able to afford a higher education. Yeah, they can, yeah. I'll end tonight with this. This looked interesting. Three words to remove from your language to make way for greater health, wealth, and relationship success. What do you think? I don't know. Well, I thought it was good. How can your health be sabotaged by your own language? How is your ability to heal influenced by the meanings of the very words you speak? Are the meanings and feelings you're breathing and speaking to life being projected upon you? Do the negative connotations in your language set you on a course that ultimately restricts you from your true desires? How does the etymology of words affect our success in staying healthy? Etymology is simply the study of the origin of words and the way in which their meanings have changed throughout history. Let's jump down yeah, a little yeah, bit there. Uh, it's that studying these words affects the reality, uh, important to understanding the circumstances that may lead by ahead. Being mindful of your language can change your future health and much more. Being conscious of the words you speak and their meanings can make a huge impact on personal outcomes. Cursing others, gossiping about their lives, or feeling envious of their successes can ultimately sabotage your own well-being. The energy expelled in these moments only asks for disappointment, repercussions, and further agony unfolding in our future destiny. Developing a new language of love can put us on an entirely new course, accepting new, positive realities. Here's three words everyone could speak a little less of, followed by more powerful replacement words that could be used to attract better future results. Can't is one of them. If there's something you want to accomplish, saying can't will only divert your energy. Hate. Hate. Let's jump down to that. Okay, but try to re try replacing can't with can or will. Yeah, well, that's okay. people say that. Yeah. Hate. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta you gotta tell them yeah. what they're gonna say. Yes, okay. but we only have like a couple I know. minutes. Okay. Hate. If there's something that really bothers you, hating it will only make it bigger and more drastic, continuously affecting your mood and energy. The more you hate, the more you punish yourself. Instead, use words like you appreciate or love being thankful for the very part of you and the world around you and learning to forgive yourself can make the things that you once hated dissolve. Do not meditate on things you hate. Let them melt into the everlasting hands of love. Need. If there's something you really want in life, then constantly feeling neediness for it will only attract lack thereof. That's because neediness is associated with lack, not abundance. Instead of needing something, it's best to be thankful for what you already have, appreciating the skills, skills and tools you possess that will help you move forward. Instead of saying, I need it, it's better to say, I'm thankful for, because the meaning of thanksgiving is directly correlated with abundance. Appreciating making good use of what you already have will bring more of the good into your life. That was nice. Yeah. I think that's true. So you got to be thankful. You got to have love. Yeah. And, and you got to be needy. And you got to say, "I will" or "I can do something." So can't, hate, and need must be taken out of your your vocabulary. And I think that's good advice. And replaced with can or will, appreciate or love, and I'm thankful for. And your life will be better. Yeah. Luck, well, folks. good. I think that's good advice, and we all should try to take it. It's a hard one. Not though. always easy, Not always but easy. we can all work on that. That's true. So have a good night, folks, yeah. and remember to be thankful for what you have. Yeah, good night, everybody. And join us tomorrow night when we hopefully have uh, Larry Dorman joining us. And oh, that's discuss, great. We discuss uh, business news and views and uh, issues and I think we issues. were going to talk about the TTP, too. We're going to talk about that, but I, I also wanted them to talk about the Koch brothers' um, huge, huge uh, uh, billion dollars going into the, the what, what campaign. Yeah, how the unions are going to try to offset that at all, and what what we have to, um, what we mm. can do to try to, what we can do uh, individually and organizationally and so on to to, to help uh, break that or help offset that. Oh, okay. okay. So, uh, That's good stuff to find yeah. out about. So tune in 
to know our night. Yeah, and uh, talk to you later. Good night, everyone. Good night, folks.